Good morning, everyone. It is great to see you. Um, I'm Greg Brady. I'm the pastor here at Hope Church. If I haven't met you, I'd love to meet you after the worship service. And everyone worshiping in their homes today, uh, Lord, bless you. Glad that we are worshiping together this morning. Take out your Bibles. Turn to Mark chapter 6. We've been uh, going through Mark 6 over the last few weeks, talking about having bold families for Christ. And with each of these messages, we've been adding a bit to uh, how we can be bold. And in many ways, um, we can be bold in kind of in ways that don't fit our typical understanding of the word boldness. Talked about having bold belief that Jesus really is who he says that he is. And when we do believe that, it, it sends us out. And we, we, we are compelled to go on this mission. And that's what we talked about last week, this mission of urging people to turn to Jesus and turn to his kingdom and turn to his ways. And we're going to add a little bit to um, our, our thoughts on, on boldness today as we start in verse 30. So let's read. Uh, together, um, 30 through 44. The apostles, the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. And then because so many people were coming and going that they didn't even have a chance to, to eat, Jesus said to his disciples, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many saw, who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all of the towns, and they got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day, and so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than a half year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? Well, how many loaves do you have? He asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish. And looking up into heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. And he also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was 5,000. So the disciples come back from this mission excursion, this trip where Jesus sent them out, talked about last week, to surrounding villages and into people's homes, and they come back to Jesus to report how they went, and it must have been very exhausting because Jesus then said to them, well, let's go and um, let's go away and let's go find a quiet place and let us get some rest. And that probably sounded very good to the disciples. Sounds good. A little downtime after 
that trip, some R&R. Um, and then this amazing story of the feeding of the 5,000 uh, men unfold, 5,000 men, so there's more people present than just men, women, and children, maybe 8,000, 10,000 total people there in the scene. Uh, this story is told by all four gospel writers. Um, it's an amazing story, and it teaches something critically important about um, influence, showing influence. And quite honestly, when I think of boldness, I think of influence. I think of someone who influences others. And, and that can come about in a variety of ways um, as someone shows boldness. This is just what I'm thinking. Um, I might think of someone that expresses him or herself very boldly, um, stands out in how he or she carries themselves. Um, Maybe boldness displayed through an inspiring speech, rallying people around a, a cause, having the right words to say and the right way to say it. Now, what do you think about boldness when you think of the ability to influence others? Well, this is a story of Jesus and disciples influencing thousands. But what Jesus shows us is we can have enormous influence and impact, but not through individual standout performance, not by having some amazing speech, some, some inspiring talk um, to give not by attracting all of the attention to, to oneself, but rather by going about our mission, not in this individualistic, I can do it, I can lead us there style, but rather together with one another and together, more importantly, with Jesus. So I want to look at three actions that we see in this story that leads to enormous influence. And I think you'll find these three points um, that we go through, really uh, kind of self-explanatory points, Um, maybe not self-explanatory, but but kind of obvious, it'd be really short sermon, uh, sermon, self-explanatory points, I got more than that, just the points, Um, but obvious points from the story. Uh, One, in order to um, boldly influence together. You need uh, to notice the need by developing a compassion radar. When Jesus and the disciples go to a quiet place for rest, they are met with a crowd of thousands. And if you would ever anticipate possibly a sigh from Jesus like, oh, no, maybe it would be in this moment. Um, if you ever would anticipate Jesus possibly uh, hiding behind a rock (laughs) or something from the crowds, um, trying to slip away. Uh, It would be at this moment just weary from his journey and the disciples' uh, uh, journey and and missionary experience. Um, But that's not what happens in the story. Look at verse 34. Jesus sees the large crowd. And he had compassion on them. Because they were sheep. They were like sheep without a shepherd. That word compassion, by the way, it's a very um, 
in, in the original language. It's not only a, a very interesting word to look at, it, it, it's a very striking word, but it also um, conveys a striking kind of word image, and that is um, feeling something in your gut, like being moved in your gut. We often think today, oh, I moved in my heart. Well, that ancient uh, Jewish people talked about being moved in your gut. And Jesus was moved in his gut as he saw this crowd. He had a physical reaction. Jesus was moved in his inner being, and he had compassion when he saw this crowd. So if you've ever thought of God being maybe bothered by your prayers, like, oh, I don't want to hear another prayer from so-and-so. Oh, Greg, he just keeps praying for things over and over again. If you ever think of God is wearied by your needs, wearied by your prayers, think again. That is uh, the furthest, furthest thing from the truth that there could be. Um, Jesus is moved to compassion in his, in his inner being when he sees your need, when, um, when you pray to him. So it would be very easy to find this large crowd as an inconvenience or an annoyance, but instead Jesus has this finely tuned compassion radar. And he invites us to have a finely tuned compassion radar to the needs that are around us. And sometimes we might be better at that than others if you find yourself thinking, ah, I don't... I don't feel very compassionate these days. Perhaps the best thing you can do is to ask, Jesus, will you give me that compassion radar so that I can notice the needs that are around me, just like you do all the time, Jesus. Uh, Two, discover what you have. Once you see the needs around you, discover what you have. The disciples say to Jesus, well, it's getting late, Jesus. We've been here all day, and we are getting hungry. I mean, uh, the crowd must be getting really hungry, Jesus. Um, You know that they were hungry too, don't you? Let's call it a day, Jesus. And you got to love what Jesus says to them next. In verse 37, uh, Jesus answered, Will you give them something to eat? They said to him, That would take more than a half a year's wages. They know it's an impossible task. Jesus gives them an impossible task. They are too remote to go get food, even if there were Costco or Sam's Club nearby. Uh, they don't have the money to get all that food. The sheer number of people makes it impossible. Eight to 10,000 people in the crowd. And... Uh, it, it, All of that makes what Jesus asks next very interesting because he pushes them a little bit more. Jesus asks them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. Now, do you think that the number of loaves was really important to Jesus? Do you think that Jesus cared how many loaves they came back with? Was he thinking... Oh, eight to 10,000 people. Maybe I can stretch one loaf over 100 people. I need about 80 to 100 loaves of bread to come back. Do you think Jesus was thinking that, worried about that? No. Jesus didn't care if one loaf came back, if 100 loaves came back. It didn't matter to Jesus because he, he knew he was going to make it enough. 
so the question was for the disciples' sake. The exercise for them was to go and consider what they had. For their benefit, not for Jesus' benefit. What do you have that you can share? Search. Think about it. Wrestle with it. And it doesn't have to be much. It doesn't take much to be bold. One of my favorite stories about someone considering what they have to share, that's a true story. It's about um, a sacker at a local grocery store. His name is Johnny. You can look it up on Google. True story, great story. Um, There's a young man named Johnny who was a sacker at a grocery store. He had Down syndrome. And he got it in his mind that he wanted to share something with his customers. And he thought about it. What do I have that I can share? And uh, he had an idea. Every night after work, he would come home. And he would find an inspiring thought for the day. An uplifting, positive thought that he could share with his customers the following day. And if he couldn't find one, you know what he did? He just made one up. Some inspiring thought for the day. And remember, we are invited by Jesus to be bold together. He did this with his dad. He and his dad would then type out um, on his computer, but six times per page, this inspiring thought, they would print out 50 of these sheets, and they would cut out together these inspiring thoughts for the day. The next day, while Johnny was sacking groceries, he would put in each one of the bags the inspiring thought, and he would tell the customer, I hope that this thought helps you to have a great day. Well, uh, a very remarkable and surprising thing happened. The line at Johnny's checkout grew three times longer than anyone else's line. The manager got on the loudspeaker to open up more checkout lanes, Get up here, employees. Let's open up some more lanes. No one wanted to leave Johnny's line. This is a true story. No one wanted to leave Johnny's line. They wanted the thought for the day. Uh, One woman said, I used to shop in your store once a week, and now I come in every time I go by so I can get Johnny's thought for the day. So he revolutionized this grocery store. Other employees took note, and they asked, what do we have that we can do? We can share. The floral department, they used to discard um, unclaimed, you know, flowers or corsages or one that was, you know, kind of damaged, and they would, uh, they would go, instead of throwing them away, they would go find, uh, you know, an old lady in one of the aisles, and they'd give it to her, pin it on her. Um, the, the meat market tried something new. One of the employees in the meat market really loved Snoopy, and they got a bunch of Snoopy stickers, and they would just stick those Snoopy stickers on the the meat that they would wrap up. I don't know. It sounds like a fun thing, right? Um, But the point is, everyone in the store began to think, what can I do to, 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 to bless someone else? What do I have to give? What can I share? And they just transformed this store. What do you have to share? You've got something. You've got a talent. Or you've got a passion. Or you've got some time. 
or you've got some resources. You have a life experience that God has used to give you a heart for someone. Who do you have a heart for? Do you have a heart for children? Do you have a heart for students, teenagers? Do you have a heart for newer people that maybe feel out of place, need a friend? Do you have a heart for people going through a crisis? Do you have a heart for for hospital patients? That's great. Now think, what do I have that I can give, that I can share? Third point is then you bring it to Jesus. All right, I want to release the the youth for their discussion group. There's a ton of you students today. That's awesome. And maybe you guys can just think about what needs do you see around you? What do you have to share? Um, Think about that in your discussion time. Uh, I want you to, to picture this scene of the disciples searching for how many loaves of bread they have. Uh, how do 12 people search a, cloud, a crowd for eight to 10,000 for who has food? H- how does that happen? That happens by the disciples going around the crowd and shouting out, anyone have food? That's, that's the way you do it. Who's got food? We're looking for bread. The, the way that the Gospel of John tells a story um, is that the disciple Andrew finds a boy, and this boy shares his lunch. There is a little boy with a group of people sitting around him. And some of them probably were encouraging him. The disciples are looking for food. Raise your hand. You've got, you've got a lunch. Uh, it is highly likely that that boy also was sitting with a buddy of his, a friend of his, who was saying, the disciples are lurking for food. You better hide your lunch or else they're going to come and get it. I know how hard it is for boys to share their food. I know how hard it is for dads to share their food. Um but this little boy raised his hand, and then he handed over his lunch to be put into Jesus' hand. And then that boy saw how Jesus then took his lunch and made a miracle of it. So two thoughts. One, how excited do you think he must have been when he saw Jesus take his lunch and give thanks for it and then feed Thousands and thousands of people. Ah, That's pretty cool. That's a great day in my book. Uh, He may have been complaining to his mom that morning. Ah, bread and fish. How about some fruit snacks and cookies, mom? But once he saw Jesus give thanks for it, he was like, that's my lunch. How proud he must have been. The boy was able to be a part of that. That's thought one. Thought two is kind of the opposite thought. Uh, Do you think that he was the only one who had a little bit of food out there with him? A crowd of thousands, eight to 10,000 people. Do you think only one person in that crowd had brought a little food to share? 
Maybe, but I'm thinking there, there probably was someone else that had something. Maybe several people who had something. And when they heard the disciples, anyone got food? They thought, none around here that I'm giving up. Because <laughs> I'm hungry. And what's the use of giving this little thing up anyway? Because there's 10,000 people out here. It'd be like everyone getting a crumb. And then we all would be hungry. It's just not being practical for me to give this up. I believe there may have been people who did not offer up the food that they brought to Jesus. And I can't help but wonder about the opportunities that they missed and that we may miss as well when we don't think, what do we, what do we have to share to help meet some need that is around us? And you may think, well, what I have to give is, is just so little, it's so insignificant. It, what, what good would this do anyway? It's not needed. And it's that very mentality that misses out on a miracle. So I want to look at three takeaways from this uh, passage. And the first is this. You find real rest when you know that your power comes from Jesus. You find real rest when you know that your power comes from Jesus. There's, there's two interesting moments in this parable that I think kind of get overlooked, maybe. Um, If you look at the story in one way, it seems like a big setup from Jesus. I mean, there's two, two things that Jesus does. One, he says, go by your, go, let's go get some, to a quiet place and get some rest. And he leads him right into a huge crowd. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that Jesus knew the crowd was going to be there. Jesus wasn't surprised by this big crowd waiting for them. Let's go get some rest, but he leads him right into some work. And that's a little perplexing. Was Jesus setting them up for some disappointment? I don't think so. And the other interesting detail is that Jesus is when Jesus tells the disciples to feed the crowd, knowing for sure that <laughs> they can't feed the crowd on their own. It's completely absurd that they'll never be able to do it. And again, was Jesus just setting his disciples up for disappointment or failure? No. He was showing them, showing us what real rest is. It doesn't come from napping, although that is good rest. That, that's the kind of rest that, that just goes away after a while, though. Uh, taking it easy, that's good rest, but it's temporary. Real rest is knowing that Jesus is always with you and that if you are already working hard, you can do that through his strength and his power and his presence. That's, that's real rest. Now, last night, uh, we talked to our son, Luke. Luke is spending the summer as a camp counselor in Alaska. He's having the time of his life, and he's also really tired. We could tell it in his voice. He needs rest. He needs like a 20-hour nap. That rest feels good, but it's nothing like knowing that your Savior is right there by you, working through you, giving you strength and power. 
making the little that you think you have to offer into more than enough to do what he wants to do through it, through you. That's real rest, knowing that you're walking with your Savior and he's working through you. Next takeaway is that God loves to take small and make it all you need. This story teaches us about what you have, and then it exposes the difference between human thinking and God-sized thinking. You know, human thinking says we don't have enough. God-sized thinking says, yes, you have more than enough. And I'm going to do something through that little bit that you have. Human thinking says there's not an answer here. There's no solution. God-sized thinking, yes, yes, there is an answer. There's always an answer. Human thinking, uh, I don't have what I need. God-sized thinking is you have a compassionate Savior. You have the compassion of the Good Shepherd, and that's, that's all that you need. So applies God size, apply God-sized thinking to what you have. It may not seem like it's enough, but it's going to be more than enough. It doesn't, doesn't seem like it's perfect. It's going to be perfect for what God wants to do with it. I may not think that what you have is very extraordinary, um, that you don't have anything, but you've got everything you need. And in the hands of Jesus, small becomes all that we need. And the third thing is that Jesus gives thanks for what you bring to him. There aren't many lunch bags out in the crowd, and only one of those is brought forward by the disciples. And they come to Jesus. This is all we could find, Jesus. Uh, Who's uncomfortable in the moment, at that moment? It's not Jesus. Jesus isn't uncomfortable with one little sack lunch being brought to him. The disciples may be a little uncomfortable. It's not Jesus. Instead, Jesus takes that and he gives thanks. He gives thanks for this little lunch. He recognizes that God had provided that gift of the five loaves and the two fishes. Because James chapter 1, verse 17 says that every good and perfect gift is from above. It's from the Father above, the Father of heavenly lights. Every good and perfect gift. And that little collection of loaves and fishes was a good gift from the Father. So Jesus takes that and he gives thanks for what this little boy brought to him. And if Jesus gives thanks for the little bread loaves given to him to be shared with others, what do you think Jesus is going to do when you bring something from yourself? What is he going to do when when you say, Jesus, I don't know if this is going to be enough to to help out these people that I have compassion for, but I want to bring it to you so that you can use it. What do you think Jesus is going to do with that, that little gift that you have to offer? He's going to give thanks to the Heavenly Father, to His Heavenly Father and your Heavenly Father for that little gift that you're bringing. You you, you get to move Jesus in thanksgiving when when you bring this little gift to Him. What are you going to bring to Jesus? Some talent, some, some passion of yours, some time, the gift of time, financial gift. Jesus is going to give thanks for that. So I invite you to, to 
reflect on this a little bit this week. Um, you can reflect on your own. You can reflect with your family um, on it, your small group. There's two more blanks in your note sheet um, at the very bottom. What need I notice, and then you can fill in the blank, and what I can bring to Jesus, and you can fill in the blank. Why don't you take some time thinking about that, thinking of something that you can do together with others and together with Jesus. And the goal is not to give you one more thing to do because the vast majority of us are not thinking, man, what am I going to do with all the spare time that I have? And those of you that are serving in ministry here at Hope Church or volunteering or serving out in the community, you may be pretty tired. And I don't want you to feel pressured, oh, I've got to do one more thing. And maybe if you are feeling tired in your service, Uh, you can recognize that you can do your service through Jesus. And the little that you feel like you have to offer right now, that's going to be more than enough. And you can just encourage yourself and let Jesus encourage you through that thought this morning. Receive his rest. I think the goal for us is to join a closer walk with Jesus knowing that he's working through us and invites us to do something with him. And for some of you, you're missing out. You're missing out this morning. You have something to offer, but maybe you haven't realized that, what it is. Or you're letting something else get in the way of serving and offering that to Jesus. And you're missing out on some miracle that Jesus wants to do through you. You're missing out on knowing that Jesus loves you and delights in that gift that you're going to bring to him. You're missing out on that. And I don't want you to leave grumbling, oh, i got something to do. That's, That's not causing Christians to grumble. That is not God's MO. That's not what God does. God doesn't say, here's something you got to do. God invites us. He says, here's something you get to do. You get to do this. You get to do something. It's an opportunity. And as you consider this week, what you have to bring, whatever it is, think of that as an opportunity. I get to do this with Jesus, together with Jesus. Jesus saw a need, and this ultimately is what gives us the, the motivation, the power, the love to, for us to serve. Jesus saw a need. He saw He saw my sins, he saw your sins, he saw the sins of the world, and he gave what he had. He gave his very life, his blood, his body. And he got on the cross, and it was more than enough to provide forgiveness for all of our sins. Let's worship Jesus who gave what he had to us so that we can give what we have to others. Let's pray. Jesus, you are our good shepherd. Thank you for having compassion on us. Thank you for seeing our needs and being moved to compassion. Thank you even this morning while we're sitting and worshiping you and praying to you, we have needs, we have hurts, we have fears, and you see us and you're moved to compassion. And you invite us to come to you 
and to be fed even when it might not seem how you're going to do that. You make a miracle and you feed us. Lord, you feed us this morning. And as you nourish us, as you, as you heal us, as you uh, give us renewed energy and strength, Lord, fill our hearts with compassion for those who are around us. And let us work together. May, may we come alongside you what you're doing and show your love to this needy and hurting and broken world around us. In Jesus' name, amen.